everybody, I'm Adam Hergenrother. This is Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through business success. I'm joined by my chief of staff, Hallie Warren. Hallie, good morning. Good morning. So we were at uh, Project U over the weekend, and uh, we love our time with our Project U participants from all over the country. And we were entering into the session around wealth. And when people think of wealth, they think of um, kind of globs of money, I guess, typically. And while that's true, that's certainly a form of wealth. Or investing into the stock market or investing into real estate. Yeah, Yeah, any of those things, right? Um, We, and those are all definitely really good forms and we went deep into those. Um, But one of the things, at least from my perspective and from your perspective too, for being along this journey, uh, a lot of our wealth that turns into money sitting in stock markets or money sitting into real estate comes from the investment into what? The right people. The right people, right? And so we got into a very deep conversation uh, on one of the days about wealth uh, as it relates to people and investing into a person will far will give you a far greater return than anything else will, unless you bought like Apple like 30 years ago. Yeah. And then you just happen to be like lucky with that. So odd, the odds are you probably didn't buy Apple back then when it was a, like a cent. Um, if you did, you're probably not listening to this. You're probably in like Tahiti. But um, so anyways, you uh, y- when you start to realize that business is about people and, and, and you're like, yeah, I've heard that. Intellectually, I think people hear that. But if they really heard that, then they, wouldn't they make their life around people? What, what stops people from actually going out there and making their wealth around building people. Now you can do this as an entrepreneur and you can do this as an employee running a division. You can do this as a leader or a CEO or CFO, chief operating officer, chief of staff, and any of these in any company too, as well, because you're leading with there. But what ultimately do you think stops people from that? Well, and you know, you know this is where my mind, I'm not going to answer that question right now. Um, where my mind went when you were saying that is that it's, it, it is in the business, but it's also about, leverage in any areas of your life. Like sometimes investing into a person is investing into a coach. Mm -hmm. Sometimes investing into a person is investing into a personal assistant or a nanny or or something like that. Somebody to mow your lawn. Yeah. Someone to mow your lawn um, that gives you, buys you back time so that you can then go focus on some of the the more dollar producing activities or where your passion and your purpose lie, which inevitably gains more wealth. It it was, uh, I was doing a coaching session yesterday with an individual who runs, he's got about 50 or 60 people in his organization. And, um, one of the things that I know you and I talk a lot about, but one of the things I said to him, I said, you know, when you invest into the right person, not only do you get time back, but you should actually get money back too. Mm -hmm. And I think people think it's one or the other. And I think a lot of times when people make the decision, like, Hey, I'm going to hire this person, then they're either going to see a return from them and they keep doing the same amount of time that they're doing it. I just always approach things where I was trying to literally get every part of a job that I had off of my plate. And so kind of naturally just started, I'm going to hire somebody to get time first. That was my thing. I think a lot of people go into, I'm going to hire somebody so I can see where, so I can get money. Mm-hmm. For me, it was, I want, I really want to hire people to get time. And then what I realized over time time, right? As I realized over building a business is when you actually got the time and you hired the right people, the right people, you actually saw a a multiplication of your investment into of 10, 15, 20 times what you're investing into the person coming back to you as well. And so then it reinforced the cycle of, Hey, I can have both. It should be a twofer, right? You should be able to get time and money back from hiring the right person. Now, 
conversely, if you hire the wrong person, you lose both of those. Absolutely. You lose time and you lose money. Yeah. And so most people don't set up initially. They don't go through a process like career visioning, which we're getting ready and prepared to teaching. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, they don't have a process to, to at least have an increased probability of hiring the right person to bring into your organization. So then they end up doing is they end up settling for somebody that maybe takes, if you made a hire that was supposed to take 80% of your time away from this particular task and somebody takes 15%, that 15% feels so good that they almost don't ever want to give that back up. The number one thing that I see with entrepreneurs, especially smaller entrepreneurs that are leading, call it five to 10 people, and they're trying to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. That's where people get stuck too, yeah. right? It's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you want to stay there, but not don't get stuck there from a technique that you're using. So then you're not allowing it to grow. You're actually holding it in a position and then reinforcing that with your mind of saying, I want to stay small instead of actually saying, let me work on the people that I have in my organization and myself so that I can actually remove it. And if it happens to stay five to 10 people, then it does, but let's not limit ourselves to where the business can grow. And most people don't want, when they make a hire, they get some sort of relief, right? Relief from it. Time-wise, that's typically what it is that they're so afraid to getting any part of that job back, even just a little bit back of it, that they're unwilling to make the tough leadership decisions in order to put the right people in to take your business to the next level. Yeah. And actually a question that kind of came up during that was, um, it wasn't necessarily that there was maybe subpar talent in, in the, in the, um, team and in that company, it was that this individual knew they needed talent, but they, it's like that fear of, um, well, you call it like jumping the bracket. Like they know they needed like the next level of talent than they currently had in their organization, but there's a huge fear in, um, a couple things. One, obviously, in the mo- the the money that needs mm-hmm. to be invested. And actually, there's a fear of: Am I going to be um, a good enough leader and a strong enough leader to actually be able to lead talent at that level? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you, yeah. I think you nailed it there. I mean, I think that's really what the essence of where that question came. I mean, I think that individual runs a, a lot, lot of, of employees, right? Yeah. yeah, but kept hitting a ceiling yes. to a certain degree. And when yes. that keeps happening, you yes. know, even as me as an employee. I don't own the business, but even me as an employee, if I keep hitting a ceiling, I know, well, one, it's either personal, um, <laughs> personal growth issue and like I need to look at myself yes. um, and do some self-leadership work or it's, there's, no, we don't have the right talent around even me as the employee um, in order to break, to break through and not just for myself, but for the company in general. I think I just want to pause and hit one point that you said right there. I think any time that you're ever hitting a ceiling in your business or in your personal life, you should always go inward first and do inquiry. It's not a shameful inquiry. It's not a, why am I doing this guilt thing? It's, it's a true of what is within me that's blocking this from occurring. Mm-hmm. And then the answer may be nothing, but if you always have the habit of going inward first and then inquiring about that, it opens up a vastness to be able to see a different perspective. In every, and and what you find is when people go, Oh, I got, I, you know, I, I I went to a class for two days and what they did is they went inquiry during that class. And they're like, I came out and I figured out what I need to do. And the reason why it is, is because the class stopped them for two days from keeping the same thought patterns that were going on in their head, caused them to go inward with a question somebody asked or the way a sentence was phrased or the way a word was used in a certain sentence or context that caused them to go inquiry that then provided more of a vastness and openness, a space to be able to to realize their own limiting beliefs and then remove them. And then that removal of it opened up this ability to see things differently. 
So that's what I mean when, when people go like kind of like personal growth or inquiry in that it's always first, if you're hitting a ceiling in some aspect of your life, you should go inquiry. And that should just be a process that we do with anything. And then secondly, it's, you're absolutely right. A lot of people, when we refer to a jumping the brackets, which I love that phrase, because I remember when the, I don't know what the hire was that I, the first hire I had probably like 25, 30 grand. I don't know. Something along those lines. I'm guessing was probably I'm around pretty there. Sure I made less than that when you first hired me. No, <laughs> I took a pay cut to come work here. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. gift. Yeah. Um, I know. And look, I mean, I totally paid off. I'm just, I, I forget. Anyways, it was, it yeah. was somewhere around there Sure, it was. Um, because actually my mindset at the time much. when I made the first hire, I was like, how can I hire somebody with the least amount of money? Yes. And that was just, that's how I culturally, I, I believe that I was around people that thought that way. Yeah. And so I was seeing that. And then when I, then I, I quickly got around other mentors who showed me that wasn't the case. Well, and I think, well, so many leaders think that think way. Think that way. And uh, think of talent. Well, or they don't even are looking for talent. They're just looking for a person, a people. Um, and they see it as an expense. And if you're sitting here listening to this and you're instantly, your mindset, I don't operate that way. I would ask yourself if that's true. Because whenever I, people say like, I'm sitting there talking to somebody knowing that they're investing as minimal, as minimal amount of money as they want to. And they're telling me in the context that they don't do that. Well, then they wonder why every and, time. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. I'm, the reason why I'm trying to bring it up to you is because you are doing that. Mm -hmm. But if so, if your mind instantly went to there, that's an inquiry. <laughs> yes. You should go inquiry on that of literally going, well, why did my mind just instantly try to protect me from that way? Like if you just said, I don't do that, right? Why don't you say, maybe it's not true. I don't know, but maybe it is because maybe what you're doing is, you know, we got in the wealth session, we had a, an advisor come on and said, if you're not saving enough money, that's it where it's painful, you're not saving enough. And it kind of goes in the same way. If you're not jumping a bracket with hiring somebody that hurts a little bit more, meaning you're giving up some of your money initially mm -hmm. for that hire where it doesn't feel good almost like it feels like it feels like a raw emotion like it almost feels like somebody's taking something from you because you're giving them money you're you're maybe you're paying them more than you make right i don't know what the it could be in that situation if you're jumping the brackets but it's going to feel that way and then the thing is as you go through a cycle or two of that you realize that that's normal so allow yourself to feel whatever you're feeling don't ever deny a feeling it's just there allow it move through there and as you feel it then start to wonder like huh you know what? Maybe I need to go up a bracket. Maybe the reason why I'm hitting a ceiling is because I've been paying everybody 50, 55, $60,000 a year. Maybe I need to go up to, and I, I think of generally speaking, generally speaking, you see this kind of like 30 to $45,000 bracket, right? Obviously in there, there's some, there's some room, then kind of like this 45 to 60,000, $65,000 and correct me if you think I'm wrong. And then you see this kind of like, call it 70. I know I stopped at 65, but really it's like a 70 to like, just under a hundred mm -hmm. is another bracket. And then you, then it really, there's not a lot around a hundred. If you notice in our organization, and then it goes from there, it goes to like, like 120 and above. And then, cause really a lot of people don't need to be paid more salary than most salaries can be less than 200,000, but then there's profit interests and profit equities and people bonuses. can get bonuses like to get above those and all that stuff that goes on with there. Um, so I think those are kind of like the initial brackets people will start to jump. And then I always ask the question of like, who is the wealthiest person, you know, that runs a business that you enjoy being around? And I said, well, how many of those people make 50 grand that are sitting next to them? 
Right. And it's like, it's kind of like, they're like, well, no one. And I go, well, and they go initially, yes, I understand that. But if you're hitting a ceiling, initially you're not hitting a ceiling. Maybe you're hitting a ceiling and that first hire that you hire for $35,000 gets you through to the next ceiling. Right. But then if you hit that next ceiling, you may say, this person's great. I need to raise them up and give them a raise so that I keep them. Right. That's another thing of keeping talent. Or maybe that person is comfortable with the output that they're getting for that particular salary range. Right. And just that's their choice. Then you may have to say, all right, I may need, I may need to go hire a $70,000 hire. And it hurts just as much as it did making that first $30,000 hire because you got comfortable making a thirty dollars to $40,000 hire. Therefore, you're comfortable. Here's the real thing. It's not only about the money. What you got comfortable with was the person it's the person's leadership ability around thirty dollars to $40,000 is what you really got comfortable with. Yeah, that's exactly what she said. Yes, it's you get yeah. comfortable with leading a certain person who commands a certain price tag. So you leading somebody between thirty dollars and $45,000, you feel good about knowing that you can add value or lead them. When you start getting up and you're making $100,000 a year in the business and you make $100,000 higher, you instantly go, well, can I lead this person? They're better than me. Like, what do I do, what do, I do this? Long? So that in itself prevents people from jumping the brackets. Mm-hmm. Where if you just stop and realize the whole point of building a business, does Tom Brady make more money than the coach? Yes, he does by like four times. He's still in charge though. And I'm not saying you need to build it so your employees are making four times money in you. I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you a context to see that when you go out and you hire the best players, the best people for the positions that you're making the hire for that you can reasonably afford, right? I'm not saying you need to go out and make a $200,000 hire. Um, Though I would say, and I've said this to to many times that no matter where you are, if somebody wants to make $300,000, why don't you create a structure that allows them to make $300,000? Why don't you, can you, it doesn't mean they're going to do it next year. It may take them three or four years to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. And you set up a profit share bonus based on the salary and a profit share above and beyond income that you currently have all things that we go over in career visioning, right? We'll walk people through that entire path. But the thing is, 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 is I think first, and that's why I started with the inquiry is that if, are you hitting a ceiling and are you really investing into the next level leader? That's going to help you run your organization. What do you think? So, I mean, as an employee, I know that you've gone through some of this too. <laughs> I'm just bringing you into this. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced this a few times over the years and in, in multiple, multiple ways. It typically where my ego comes in the most is when we're looking for um, someone who's going to re- like actually replace the work that I do, which is usually in an EA assistant type role. And um, I, well, a couple of things. One, I know no matter when I'm hiring, I know that it's really, truly talent. And when we define talent, we actually just, um, you just wrote this in the Inman article. I should be coming out later this week. That talent is, talent is somebody who makes a bigger, the biggest, like something like a bigger impact bigger than anyone impact. else, yeah. than the rest of the people in the organization. Like that is truly talent. Um, and cause we always, so we throw that word around a yes. lot. Um, so I know that I really have talent in front of me when they, uh, intimidate me a little yeah. bit when they make me a little nervous. And, um, when I'm like, huh, they're, they're better at me at this, 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 and this, maybe not necessarily exa- and exactly what I do, mm-hmm. but at the, th- the function that I'm hiring them for. Um, that was actually the difference in a recent hire that we made. We made the hire for multiple reasons, but one of the big indicators for me for that hire was there, there was this little intimidation factor. Mm-hmm. Like she was uber professional, kind of like, like knew her yeah. stuff. And I was like, she's the one I want next to us. Yeah. Um, and conversely, I've made the wrong hire Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, 
actually <laughs> a couple of times when I've let my ego get in the way because I want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by the best, I want to be the best really in your eyes more mm-hmm. than anybody else. And I want to be important to you and to the organization. And so if I feel like I'm hiring somebody who might disrupt that, um, and this is all, all just been, um, I'm more conscious of this in the past couple of weeks, really. And I've not made those hires. I've made the wrong hires because it was, it, it kept my ego safe. Yes. And I'm realizing that is a disservice to me because then I keep hitting my ceiling. Um, and it's a disservice ultimately to the organization. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and thanks for your vulnerability. Though. I'm sure a lot of people just listen to that and can relate to it. And that's why we go back to you. People get naturally afraid of trying to lead somebody that's, that's a better leader than they are and, or they're living a better life than they are. They perceived life that yeah. they are. I would say the fear for me is not the leadership perspective. It's the, I'm not going to be as important. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's going to show up for, for everybody. And yeah. this is the beautiful way of putting it. In different it. ways, right? Yeah. Everyone has different fears and, vul- and insecurities and things yeah. that trigger them. Well, at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is, is, is I, am I going to be important? Right. Yeah. And am I going to be loved? Right. I mean, you're not saying that, yeah, yeah. I know you're, but like, that's when you drill it all down there is like, sure. am I going to be valued as a human being? Right. right. Which you always will. The interesting thing about all of this though, is as a leader, you can see this. And then the, the best leaders, you see that they go out there and made somebody in the hair and they go, dude, this person's awesome. And, and you're seeing that and you go, wow, that was awesome move, Hallie, for being able to hire somebody of that talent. You actually get more service, more recognition in anybody in the leader's eyes, when you can actually get out of your own ego mm-hmm. and go realize that you need to make a bigger hire for that role that helps the entire organization, that in itself, it's just, it's opposite of what we would think would be true. And this is why a lot of managers right. always make hires because of, out of, out of scarcity. Whereas like if it's a, if it's a real, now I understand that the whole organization operates that way, then there could be some scarcity because that may end the, that way. But a lot of people are waking up and realizing I actually want the people in my world that can go out there and make these amazing hires. I want these people that can go and do that because then I know I can count on them for the hire that they're making. And then it's also going to give them or you in this case, a lot of opportunity to go out and do things that either you really want to do that you weren't really willing to let go of. Cause you're, you're trying to like run, but you're holding your hand in a cage, right? You just, you just got to let go of the cage so and go run somewhere else and let right. somebody else handle the whole cage. Yes. And so, I mean, ultimately that happens when, when people are, are building organizations, when, when you hear people say it's about people, <laughs> how do you unpack that word, right? Like talent with people. I mean, the only level of talent, you know, is based on the highest level of talent that you personally have ever led. Right. And I, the highest level of talent that you know, is only based on the highest level of talent that you have personally led. And, and when you, when you understand that, then you realize, well, man, then my goal, goal is to continue to raise the talent around me and to make sure that I'm raising the, the level of talent, including yourself. That's the self-leadership. So you raise, so you become somebody that, that higher levels of talent want to be around. And then at some point you can use your checkbook for it. But when you're, if you're listening to this, this has been years of progress for both of us, right. Of going through these motions of making hires. And again, I, I go back to just because when I first started making these hires, it really was just about time for me. And so, and, and it, it just came in differently and I don't know why it did. I'm not going to begin to explain that, but it was about time. And so when I knew that if I made a bad hire, it actually didn't give me time. So inherently I didn't realize I was doing this, but inherently I went out and wanted to make a really good hires 
to give me my time. <laughs> and then by get hiring really good hires, they actually give you your time and your money. I, mean, I know we said that earlier, but I just want to repeat that because I think a lot of people go into it differently. And I'm not saying I, I didn't go into it like thinking like, Oh, I know if I make really good hires, this is going to happen. I'm just being honest. Like I went into it because I really wanted time. Right. And that became a byproduct of needing to hire really good people. I was gonna say time and you maybe time aside, you just didn't want to do the th- whatever the thing yeah, was. Yes. It was like, I'm not doing that anymore. So yes, someone else needs to do Somebody it. else needs to do it. And that's, I, I've always wanted to figure out a way to shave off every part of a job that I have in every organization. So then I could show up. It doesn't mean I don't have a job per se. I just wanted to shave that off. Um, I'd rather even not take salaries from companies so that anybody, even if I own the whole company, I don't want, I don't want people to think like, well, you own the company, but you're taking a salary from this, but you don't have a job. Right. I just, right. I just would rather say, I'll take all owners distributions and live off that whatever it is. So I don't ever have a job. So you don't ever come to me asking me to do anything. Right. Holding you accountable for yes. some sort of deliverable. Which they should. If I have a job yeah. and I'm being paid yes. that, then they yes. should. There's a difference. If you have an owner's salary, that's different than having a job salary. Mm-hmm. And we do this with our expansion teams of like job income, business income. You're going to have a salary from your business income. That's different than having a job income. And for me, I never, I would rather forego the job income, right. hire somebody and then, then only get a not because people get addicted to the job income and the business income. If you don't ever have the job income, then you only really addicted to the business income mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you can make it all about the hires. And so why don't people, you know, so kind of put this into a little context or frame for people. I would literally look at your organization saying, how am I holding this back? Because what you'll find is 95% of the time, there's something you believe, some thought you're holding on to, some egoic level of consciousness that maybe is just, is lower than, than you think, or, or playing a more role in what you think. Something's holding you back from achieving the next ceiling that you, the, to get to the next ceiling or break through this next ceiling, which means they're going to be purposeful. It's not about being just being entrepreneur and hiring people. Um, it's not about just throwing the word talent out there about throwing more people around there. It's about organizing yourself so that you create the most efficient you to get the highest output. And then it's about organizing the best people. So they become most efficient. So they have the best output. And if you can really layer that together and break through one or two of these cycles, then you're off to the races. Cause it's, it's, it's only, it's this first little, like, just need to like get over. Like I did, it, yeah, well, go ahead. How do, how do, like, we know they need to do that. And we kind of know why people are not doing that. How do they do that? You have to just, you have to surrender to the process. I mean, really, you have to just take the, you have to take the chance. Take you have to take the risk. You have to, and really what I said to our CEOs today, I said, you have to, you have to really understand wisdom. And not your, not even your inner wisdom. You have your inner wisdom, which will help guide you. And that means when wisdom coming from somebody else means that there's a model or a system or a pattern of, of actions that somebody can do that will, will give me a predictable outcome before I've actually experienced that. Because once you experience that, that becomes your own wisdom. Mm -hmm. So wisdom is really taking in somebody else's models, systems, beliefs, or patterns of actions, right? And then just applying it into your life, which we're calling taking a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Taking a chance and then letting that process uh, uh, see it through. And as you see it through, once you see it through, then it becomes your wisdom. <laughs> then you can share it with everybody else, which is what we all doing. We're all recycling the same information, just using a cool way of doing it. That's the whole point of being an individual is that you have a different way of saying the same thing, mm-hmm. right? That's why it's great to, you can have the same you know, the same thesis and then everyone's going to say it differently. So for, for, for individuals, it comes back to 
I need to know that I probably need to jump a bracket. That's number one is most people. And I need to hire somebody that really scares me, that intimidates me, that I'm going to put into this role. And then once I do that, let me feel, let me experience that. And then you'll go, oh, I get it now. I get it now. Like it may take a year. It may take six months. It may take three weeks. I don't know. It's different for everybody. I'm not going to paint a picture of what it needs to happen, but it'll happen. And once you get it though, like you're saying, you just like you go get it, you go, oh man. Then you just, then, then you just make your leadership about leadership of people. Right. <laughs> I can't and, say it and, any differently. And honing that your hiring and talent finding yes. skills. If you can lead and you can find really great people, you're that's, done. That's all you need that's to do. It. Yeah. That's it. The thing is, is we, it's like, um, people want to complicate business to make it so complicated that they have to think is no wonder why everyone else can't do it because we want to complicate it and make it and think that it's so complicated in business. So that's why other people can't do it because if it was just that simple, then it would be easy. Then everyone else could do it. Well, it's actually very simple. <laughs> It's very simple. What makes it very hard is that you actually have to be willing to endure, to go through grit, to jump these brackets and face your own ego, face these challenges that show up inwardly mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to let go first and make it about other people. That's an organ. It's actually very simple. It's just what you said. You just literally go back and make it about hiring the best people. And then there's a whole bunch of tactics along with all that stuff. But in the core, it's just embracing the fact that I need to get incredible talent with me and incredible talent's not going to work for 40 grand. I'm just, there's no, there's not gonna, they're not going to. What about, what about like emerging talent? Well, emerging talent's different than incredible. I think of like incredible talent as my definition as somebody that's proven. proven. Okay. And I guess that's the stage that we're in right that's now. That's why is, it's good to define. Yes. yes thank the you. Stage we're yeah. in proven is and we great. go over this in career visioning, yeah. right? We, we yeah. talk about the merging, you know, um, and proven and unproven talent. You could find talent. somebody great for, you found me for yeah, like, and you and you found me. We're both emerging. Like we both had no idea what we were doing. An hour, whatever it was, you were paying me. <laughs> it was three fifty. Just yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> it was what at least minimum wage. Yes, it was. It was. Um, our well, HR, you didn't, our you HR person going to listen to this? Yeah, and, no. yeah, you didn't know that at the time, though, and neither did I. I was just no. like, yeah, cool job. Yeah, and I think that's part of emerging talent is what you're looking for. Is you're looking for somebody who has displayed a tremendous amount of work ethic drive, humility, right? Whatever makes sense to your organization. And that may show up in things like, Hey, they not only did they go to school and graduate with a a relatively pretty good GPA, because for me, I hated school. Well, hate's a strong word. I didn't hate it. I accepted the fact that I needed to go through it so I could prove to other people who were just viewing my schooling as this piece of card, which is why I don't really always enjoy. If you went back, would you have gone to looking back, would you have gone to college or would you have just gone, gotten straight into business? That's uh, I don't know if I can answer that question. I, I, I'm just, I always am curious about that. Yeah. I, uh, I think college did a lot for me. Um, but not in the way that colleges put on their pamphlet to get you to go there. Yeah. I think college, um, allowed me to, realized that I could do that with a lot of hard work that I could keep up with the rest of the world, even though schooling didn't really come naturally to me. And that I also realized that, that I can just work harder than everybody else. And that's ultimately what I just ended up doing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just would put my head down and work harder and, and, and showing myself and proving to myself that if I really wanted to dedicate my whole being to something that I could do it. 
That's I, now look, if you'd asked me that during college, I wouldn't have said it like that. Looking back on it, that's exactly what I did. I saw a challenge in front of me and I did it. And this is, I don't know if we ever talked about this podcast. I was part of a course called, you know, advanced honors wall street seminar. And they took the, the top six or seven kids in the entire business school. And, uh, and there was, I don't know, 10,000 kids in the business school. There's a lot of people. And I had like a B in that class and there was plenty of people that had A's. And so later on after, you know, when it was a big thing, when you get this email, I just remember like waiting, it's okay. The email's going to go out if you're going to be in there. And I just remember mm-hmm. sitting in like Calkin hall, which is at UVM waiting for this email, like of whether or not I was going to come in. And it was like this. And so people started like, we didn't have phones back then. So it was like, I think it was like a pager. Maybe I had a pager. 2000. <laughs> you might have had a flip phone. 2003. Was that phone? I don't know. Anyways, you probably just, had a flip phone. But, um, little razor. I just remember sitting in like somebody emailed me like, Hey, I got in this class. Did you hear, did you get in, did you get in? And it was one of my really dear friends now who was actually like one of the 50th employees at Amazon, which is kind of interesting. Um, so he's, he's done well. <laughs> and, uh, one of the, actually the smart, still to this day, the, the smartest, uh, intellectual individual that I've ever met in my entire life that I've personally been around. I'm sure there's people that I've met maybe, but that I've actually spent time with that could comprehend a, he, <laughs> I'm sure we all have people like that. It was just like, he could, he literally, and I don't want to mention his name, but the kid would like smoke like a bag of weed and go into like the hardest exam ever. And he only smoked it to make it like a challenge. Like it was small. I'm not even kidding you. Like maybe people have had these experiences with people before and he would like open his book like 15 minutes. And I've been studying for a month for this thing. And he'd be like, yeah, I don't know. What have you been doing? Like, and he's just laying on the couch and I'm like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? And then he would literally go into this and he would get the highest grade in the class. Mm-hmm. His ability to just hear one thing. Anyway, so I'm not going to go down the up off, but, um, I didn't know where I was going with that. I just, I think you were going to say that the, um, you later met the person. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I mean, I made her yeah. and I said, well, dude, well, so why did you choose me, right. um, over? And he's like, your, your drive and your willingness to want to learn was stronger than anybody's in that entire group. And that to me is the biggest sign of success. And, and we're talking particularly in the business world. I was going to say also of, of talent and when you're looking of talent. And, and the thing is, talent, that's it's, what you look for. it's crazy too, because now when I look back on this, he's the one who got me all my first jobs. Mm-hmm. So all the people that went through there who didn't really recognize that, who had built big companies on wall street and different places, or even in Vermont, that's where he got me two jobs even in Vermont. They go to him and say, tell me who you're, who would I need to be in contact with? He was the only professor people would go to and say, Hey, if you told me, if, if Jim Gotti, which is professor Gotti told you, told me that I need to hire you, then you're hired. You're hired because that he, he was the one who weeded out everybody else. Mm-hmm. So again, you just, you, you just don't. So I think college, when you ask, ask me that question, I think college served me in a different way than it maybe it serves other people like sure. that, that need to go through there. So I think it was a, and then I learned more during that class. And I've shared that with you before that I yeah. learned more during that eight months that I was part of that class. than I did in my entire college career. This is the only thing that I care. It was really what I cared about it was a presentation. It was going down there and spending a month preparing a high yield bond recommendation, um, to buy, sell in front of this big board on wall street that the school paid and flew us down. They had limos pick us up. And of course they make you feel special and they get in the boardroom and, and I had volunteered to present first, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yes. That's just because I wanted to be why I'm talking now. And I remember going up there and they stopped me like six minutes in this presentation. I was already like nervous as heck. Right. And they're like, we think this presentation sucks. <laughs> And I'll, I don't even, I was like, I looked at my group and the group, they just like turned around. Like they were like, didn't want to even participate in the conversation. So it actually, I, that was like a memory burn, um, in a good way though, because mm-hmm. they realized like you can be prepared as what you want. Life's going to hit you. 
And like people are just, and they did that as a way, they were going to do that regardless of what I presented, they were going to do that. Like, and then in the course later on, they tell you that, right? Like after I went, I actually interviewed this group and they tell you like, Hey, you did a really good job in this, but like, it's our job to basically screw with you yeah, and like rattle, yeah, you. rattle you and see how you behave. And so that's, yeah. so I learned a lot more about me than I did about learning, um, context. So yeah. You decide. People just decide what they want to do with, with yeah, that. Yeah, I always think that's that's interesting. I mean, obviously, people who go to school to be uh, lawyer, doctor, like to me, like yes. obviously, you have you cer- certain skills that yes. you, you need to have. But in some more of these entrepreneurial or knowledge uh, based jobs that a lot of us work now, how important really was formal education? If I could, I mean, people feel free to disagree with me. Um, you can disagree with me too. I, I think that given everything that's happened with COVID too, and just remote learning and what colleges are doing now, they're disrupting a lot of things. I think a, an education system where people could go right into the source of what they really want to learn or what they even think they want to learn and not taking two years of electives that mean nothing. Um, and so I think you could shorten yes. that down a lot and reduce the amount of money people need to pay and reduce the amount of courses people need to teach. So it just helps that everything and then go directly into business right? Instead of taking two years of just, you know, literally, I mean, I'm sure we all did. I took two or three years, even during while I was junior year that of courses that I don't even remember the names. I don't remember any of it. It was just, I just paid for them just to yeah. get it on my, on the thing to say, That's I got correct. these credits Yeah. that. And so if you could just cut all that out, which my wife is doing this, doing that right now, like she's going back to school for a particular, um, uh, as an MD for a particular, um, uh, Field of medicine. Field of medicine. Yes. But I'm trying to remember what it's like a, it's for, it's women help only, but anyway, she's going back to it and she's just doing basically 18 months of just that. Yeah. And it's like, it's cuts out all the other stuff that you just don't need. And but would she have known that, you know, and yeah, I don't know. That's, that's why of, I said, I can't the answer yeah. the question yeah. for you. Does it, yeah. when, when I, when I could go back, like, I don't, I know I would never change anything that's happened in my life. Anything. I just, there, why you can't, nor can you, I mean, you can look at back and say, Hey, what could I do differently in the future? So I could prevent yeah. some of the things that I've done. We've all done some things that probably not most proud of. Um, and I will say, I probably did more than you, Hallie, but yeah, like, really <laughs> cause you didn't do, do anything wrong. Um, but yeah, and I do want to say that education is super important. I'm not saying education is not important, but I do think that there's different ways to be educated. Yes. Um, I also think if we're on this education topic from just talent, like I think they should incorporate them. I have three kids going through systems right now. I think there should be some physical responsibilities and teachings in schools. We had an individual who was fiscal, talking. Fiscal. Fiscal, yeah. I, I said, said physical. Well, that too. But you think but, both, yeah. Yes, but the physical physical, fiscal, financial, yes, absolutely. The financial financial part of this. And I, one of our our speakers at project U was like, um, there is, it's like at best it's an elective in high school. It's not even like a part of their core curriculum, which man, like you, you get out of high school, some kids go right into it without having any type of manifestation into that. But anyways, so we're we're off course from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we're, when you're looking for talent, do you like on resume specifically, are you ever paying attention to, do you pay attention to the education when you're hiring? I look, I look at their, what I look for, depending on the position. Um, I look for what their, what their GPA was a lot of times, if they Mm -hmm. have it on there, that's really the only thing that I look for. And what does that indicate to you? Intelligence. If it's, if it's a system, like if it's somebody that's in accounting, right? like, like they need to have a certain level of book intelligence to be able to comprehend, understand and grasp that accurately. Um, if it's something that's more, that's more even knowledge based or philosophy based, it doesn't matter nearly as much as, as like the core competencies of those type of 
things. But right. really, that just is a small component of it. Uh, yeah, it's one piece of the entire yes, yes. career visioning puzzle. The whole career visioning puzzle. Yes. Yeah, and we go and we talk about all resumes and what to look for and that stuff. And there's big companies now that you hear that don't even look at resumes and different things. So, I mean, yeah. it's just really you look for a track record. That's what I'm looking exactly. for. Exactly. Same. Yeah. The most important thing in hiring anybody to look for talent is their track record. And people will mention that, hey, I hired an empire builder and I go, great, what they build? They go, well, they haven't built anything yet, but man, they're an empire builder. I go, they're not an empire builder until they've built an empire. Right. And an empire to you may be something that is larger or equivalent to what you've built, right? Because that, that to you, that's an empire builder. Because to everybody, if everyone uses the same word empire builder, it can't mean, it just means different things to different people, right? right? Just like talent. Just like talent, yeah. exactly. And so they've only, empire builders have only built something that's most likely equivalent to, or maybe just less than what you have built. Not just less than as a person, just less in terms of what they've actually built. Otherwise, they're not really an empire builder. They're emerging and they could be, but just don't convince yourself that you've hired one and then only looking for the good things that have happened for that. So what the couple of things that you really need to take away from this um, is number one, am I in my own way? Let's do some self-inquiry here. And when I looked in terms of, am I paying people the least or even moderately the least to make sure that I'm maximizing profit or am I really investing into people with some key hires? Am I going above where feels good from the side of leadership and from the side of money. And then when you hire, here's the other thing too, is when you hire people in that bracket, the higher brackets, you, it's almost like you, you, you have a different demand from them. And I don't mean demand like they need to do something. You just have a different expectation. What I've seen in people is they, they go, Oh yeah, well I expect that. I only pay them $35,000 a year. I've literally heard people say that. Yeah. I'm sure you have too. And you go, yeah. man, that's just, that's not how you want to build an organization. Like this not, that's not the way you build a winning organization, at least in my opinion about mm -hmm. it. Um, so you want to look self-inquiry and then really dive in there. Like what position am I really missing to give me time and then willing to give up, right? Like what part of my job do I really want to give up? How do I go make the best hire that I know of right now that gives me time and money? And if you just concentrate on that, it'll, that in itself will give you your own wisdom. And as you get your own wisdom, it became, it becomes a virtuous cycle that you can apply throughout the rest of your entire business career. And um, we've talked a lot about career visioning and we are launching career visioning virtually. This is by the first time we've done it virtually, which we're pumped for. Mm -hmm. We've done parts of it, um, but we are doing it virtually in what are the three days that we're doing? Yep. October 20th, 21st and 22nd from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern. We will be, well, we, you will be, you'll be there though. live. I'll be yes. there too. Yes. Yeah. Um, you'll be live teaching career visioning. So everything that we talked about, if you're looking for a system to how to actually implement yes. all of that, career visioning is the course to take. And you can go to adamhergenrother.com slash events to register. Yeah. It's $99 too. It's not, yeah, I mean, typically if you do it in person, it's like $500 or $400 and you got to travel and and get books, how shaking her head, maybe it's 350. I don't know what it yeah. is, but it's, 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 it's a, a little, lot, a little it's, bit it's less, like, but this yes. is, yeah, yes. you can save time and money by taking yes, it this way. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the recording will be available for uh, 14 days afterwards if you get the recording as well too, so you can, you can re-listen to it. So we hope to see you there.